gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to My Two Cents Podcast, episode 46, which is entitled, Oh No. I am your host, Gerald Garrett, a.k.a. G2. And before I get into the National Food Days of the Week, I want to just say rest in peace to a um, news anchor, Miss Javita Moore, has passed. Javita Moore was a news anchor, an award-winning news anchor at WSB-TV in Atlanta, and um, she died Thursday, seven months after being diagnosed with an aggressive form of brain cancer. And this is coming from USA Today. Moore, who was 53, was with WSB-TV since 1998. Prior to joining the station, she worked at WMC-TV in Memphis and KFSM in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Fort Smith, Arkansas. Moore received several Emmy Awards during her career at WSB-TV in Atlanta and covered decades of major news events, including former President Barack Obama's inauguration in 2009. The longtime journalist was diagnosed with a, I can't really say the like thing, but I believe it's a, it's an aggressive form of brain cancer earlier this year. She went to a doctor in April after feeling forgetful and disoriented, including describing feeling faint in a grocery store parking lot. I was really concerned about why all of a sudden I was forgetful, disoriented, and just not feeling myself. Feeling like I was in a fog and really wanting to get out of that fog, Moore said earlier this year. Doctors discovered that she had two masses in her brain, and she underwent surgery to remove them. Treatment can slow the brain cancer's progression, but a cure for that major uh, brain tumor, brain cancer, is often not possible. Moore's death prompted an outpouring of mourning and support on social media, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms shared in a statement on Twitter that her family is deeply saddened by the loss of her friend. Even those who did not know her personally felt a deep and personal connection to Javita, the mayor shared. This was, this didn't hit my radar like that. My mom showed me this on Instagram. She like sent something to me and I really just started looking at it. I was like, first of all, the photo was, she was a gorgeous woman. I just had this look at that and I was like, wow, she was gorgeous. But then when you find out that she had brain cancer and she passed away from that, that's really scary because I start thinking about it. Lung cancer, you can kind of tell you got lung cancer because if you smoke for so long, you can kind of guess that you're going to get lung cancer at least somewhere down the line. Brain cancer, that just comes out of nowhere. Like, you have headaches constantly. Yeah, you think that something's just stressing you out because you who would think that uh, you have cancer in the brain. Who would think cancer is really in the brain? I wouldn't have. I would think that cancer comes in the lungs or cancer comes like pancreatic cancer, like the like the major normal kind of cancers that you usually hear about. You don't hear too many about brain cancer. You don't really hear too much about that. But just to really hear that this woman, Miss Moore, had brain cancer and it's uh, it's really devastating. She underwent surgery to try to remove it. She had treatment, and both of those two things uh, didn't slow it down. It's a shame that whenever you think you can do something as to have a surgery or a treatment, um, that doesn't automatically guarantee that you're going to survive. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
I want you to take this time right now to pause this, look at your loved ones and say, I love you, and have those conversations with them that you won't naturally have with them. I want you to look at them every day or just start off with, I love you. Even if you go upset and you get pissed off at them in the day, because boy, oh boy, will we get upset with our family members, our loved ones, our associates, our friends. We're going to get mad at them sometime during our lifetime. Always say, I love you, and I, and just have those conversations with them. Certain people you cut off, hey, you cut off for a reason. But if you have some feelings towards someone, right now, I want you just to stop this podcast right now and just text them or call them and say, hey, I love you, and have that conversation with them that you're meaning to have that conversation with. Not every day is technically granted towards you. Something can happen to you. I mean, if you're a normal functioning person, you're automatically thinking that something is not going to happen to you the next day. You're going to wake up. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it don't. So take every day with gratitude. Don't be so angry once you wake up in the morning. Don't be angry at stupid things that can easily be solved and just The main thing is, take every day as a gift, because you don't know how long we have left on this earth. We really don't know. And if anything, this story really hit me, because let me just give you guys a little backstory on this. And I know this is taken away from the podcast title. Well, it fits in with, oh no, but there's still other topics I want to get to, and I still haven't given you National Food Days of the Week yet. But I think this should really be, like, magnified. At one point in my lifetime, I had headaches a lot. I mean, there will be days upon days, consecutive, back to back, that I will have headaches after headaches after headaches. And I will take pills of ibuprofen or migraine pills or whatever type of pill it would take just to temper off this headache. And it will literally be days and days. And at one point, my mom would die, uh, talk to me and say, Gerald, how long have you always had headaches? I would say, well, I've had headaches every day this week. And I don't know as a parent how that would make my mother feel, but as me just thinking about it growing up now and just being older, it probably had her worried and scared that something was wrong with her baby boy. So she took me to see somebody about my head, and I don't remember like the results from it, but as you can see that I'm still here. I never went under the knife for my head, so I can see that, and I can tell from this that I never had no type of like really struggles of any type of tumor or none in my head, but on the flip side, just imagine if I did have something. Imagine if something was there. It. I don't know how long I would have been around. I don't know how long my mother and my father and people that know me would have actually got to see me grow into the dude that I am now. It's just crazy when you really stop to think about it. And this newscaster's uh, situation really made me think about, man, I don't have headaches no more like that. But just imagine, Joe, what if? So again, please say you love, go to your loved one and just say that you love them. That's all you got to do. It doesn't take that much. Put all the petty crap to the side and just call them up, text them up. Or if you're right next to them, if that person is inside your household, tell them just, I love you and just mean it from the heart. And if they seem stunned, don't take that for like, oh my God, you're not loving me back. Just, you just caught them off guard. They love you back too. Believe me on that one. But just say that you love, just go to your loved one and just say that you love them. Um, 
But again, recipes to Miss Javita Moore and um, Atlanta newscast will definitely miss you. I've never seen your news broadcast, but I can tell by the outpouring of love you were uh, loved. And also, WSBTV.com does have a uh, video package that they did package up for Miss Moore. And I saw it, and it was real heartfelt. And um, if you want to see it, I would suggest you head over to their uh, website to check it out. But again, recipes to Miss Javita Moore. Now, with that being said, let me get on to the National Food Days of the Week. Today being October 31st, Halloween. Today's National Food Day is Caramel Apple Day. Tomorrow, November 1st, is Bison and Pate Day. November the 2nd, Deviled Egg Day. November the 3rd, Sandwich Day. November 4th, Candy Day. November 5th, Donut Day and also Chinese Takeout Day. And November 6th is Nachos Day. Now, with the National Food Days out the way, I want to get into um, something that happened this week whenever this was a really another... Another dried out news week until it started getting catching up right around Thursday ish. And it was announced that Governor, well, former Governor of New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, has been um, charged with a sex crime. And this is coming from ABC News as the headline reads Overwhelming evidence in sex crime case against former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. As it reads, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence in the misdemeanor sex crime. Uh, case against former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. The local sheriff said a day after charges were filed in Albany City Court. The complaint filed by an Albany County Sheriff's Department investigator accused Cuomo of forcibly touching. The alleged crime took place at the governor's mansion on December 7, 2020, when Cuomo intentionally and for no legitimate purpose forcibly placed his hand under the blouse of an unnamed victim and onto an intimate body part. Specifically, the victim's left breast for the purpose of degrading and gratifying his sexual desires, all contrary to the provisions of the statute in such case made and provided, the complaint said. The fi- the filing caught the local district attorney by surprise, and Cuomo's attorney and spokesperson charged that the complaint was about politics, not justice. Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple defended his at- office's actions in filing the charge Friday telling reporters we have a solid case. Over four months, investigators combed through hundreds, if not thousands, of documents, executed several search warrants, and interviewed numerous witnesses, Apple said. I think we have an overwhelming amount of evidence, said Apple, who noted that he feels very confident that Albany County District Attorney David Soros will prosecute the charge. Now, I had to do some digging and find out, okay, what does that mean now? What does, if you get convicted of a misdemeanor sexual uh, crime of this magnitude, what does, what kind of, uh, what kind of sentencing would you get? And I found that out, and this is coming from the law offices of Stephen Belkins and Associates, and it talks, and it labels it misdemeanors. Of all of the sex offenses in the New York Penal Code, only four are misdemeanors, sexual misconduct, forcible touching, sexual abuse in the second degree, and sexual abuse in the third degree. Sentences for misdemeanors are definitive. Definite sentences are jail terms of a year or less. They are served in local jails and not state prisons. Your definite sentence can be reduced by one-third if you conduct yourself while well while in jail. 
Sexual misconduct, forcible touching, and sexual abuse in the second degree are all Class A misdemeanors. If you are convicted of one of those crimes, the maximum sentence is up to one year in jail. There is no minimum sentence. So what that means to me is that Cuomo could face basically a year inside a jailhouse, but not like one of them hard, stone-cold like jails. I don't know what to say about this, personally. Again, I played the clip of um, the lady talking about it because the unidentified lady was actually identified because she did the um, ABC sit, no, CBS sit down a couple months ago, and I played it to you, and her name was uh, Miss Brittany Camisso, and she talked about the exchange that her and uh, Cuomo had inside the governor's mansion. And she talked about how she sat next to him and he pressed up on her. And she talked about how you're going to get us in trouble. And I played it to you a couple months ago. The point of why I'm bringing this up to you now is because one, is relevant. And two, I don't know. This is just basically a slap on the wrist from in my personal ideology. If Cuomo gets, if Cuomo is found guilty of this, He's going to get slapped on the wrist. And if anything, everybody's going to look at it like, oh my God, he got white guilt. He got white privilege. He got such and such and da 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 Listen, I just looked at the law. I just looked at exactly what they say about a sexual misdemeanor and all that type of stuff. Now, I'm not going to say that it's not white privilege because let this be a black person. We all know the deal about this. America does have a great track record with a black person with any type of uh, sentencing. It doesn't. So you can say what you want, Joe. You're carrying on a false narrative. No, no, no. I'm not carrying on a false narrative. You just look at the history of what it is in America and with black people compared to a white person of the same exact crime and the differences of sentences. You can look at that. I don't have to read it up to you. But for Cuomo, Cuomo's history is different. Cuomo has a family history of nothing but politics running in the bloodline, especially in New York. So with that being said, Cuomo has political power. He has power of other people in New York City. He has power, ladies and gentlemen. So he might not be found guilty. One, the charges might get dropped too. And if anything, the heaviest hit would be him getting slapped on the wrist. He'll be uh, going, to, going to some local jail, some local precinct for a good couple months. And then he'll be out of here and have to pay a fine. That is all Cuomo would be facing here. I just want to give you guys the legit gist of what could happen here because I don't want people to be in an outrage. Oh my God, it's be more years. No, I just read you exactly what it is and what's going to happen to him if he does get found guilty. Now, Cuomo's lawyer did happen to uh, strike back, and this is coming from Reuters.com. An attorney for Andrew Cuomo on Saturday suggested that the county sheriff's office has filed a misdemeanor sexual complaint against the former New York governor leaked secret grand jury testimonies to the press. In a letter to Albany County Sheriff Craig Apple, attorney Rita Galvin served formal notice demanding that all records related to the sheriff's office investigation of Cuomo be preserved in a probe Cuomo described on Saturday as rogue. On Friday, Apple rejected accusations from Cuomo's camp that his investigation was politically motivated. Cuomo's attorney called the timing of Thursday's criminal complaint suspect as it was made on the eve of New York Attorney General Letita James' announcement that she was running for New York governor. 
Cuomo resigned in August amidst multiple sexual harassment allegations. Him and James are both Democrats but are political rivals. James' office is conducting a separate investigation of Cuomo. The criminal complaint filed on Thursday charges Cuomo with forcible touching by grouping a female aide under her blouse inside the executive mansion. In Saturday's letter, Galvin demanded that Apple preserve all communication between his office and that of James, state lawmakers, journalists, and Cuomo. We will be asking for an investigation of unlawful grand jury leaks, and we are also exploring legal remedies for such leaks, Galvin wrote to Apple. So, as you can tell, there is some probably some political back backing into this. There is some political like, hey, yo, get the ball running to get Cuomo out of here so I can get like what I need to get so I can get the vote so I can get into position of power. I don't know these type of things. We all have seen these type of things happen on television, movies, and even some time to time news come out and say, hey, yo, this was politically motivated. I'm not going to say any of this because I don't have the answers. I don't have documentation. I don't have none of this out here on the internet for that or even in my hands. What I can say is just by human ideology and human, my own thinking, you can say this was politically motivated. This had some motivation behind it to hurry up and get Cuomo out of here and let people be reminded, oh yeah, Cuomo did something and now I'm going to try to uh, put Cuomo to task, arrest him. I'm going to try to get him out of here. So can this be politically motivated? Yes. Can this be somebody that's trying to get something that look good on their resume? Yes. However, is it 100% fact? It's not 100% fact. This is about a good straight up 60-40. And I say 60-40 because, again, just the timing of it, that's when you add that extra 10% to that 50 and you decrease that other 50 to a 40. That's just uh, my idea on that. And that is the Cuomo topic. The next topic I want to talk about is coming from the Associated Press, and the title reads, Stiffest Charge Stands for Ex-Cop Who Killed Dante Wright. As it reads, a Minneapolis judge has denied a defense request to dismiss the most serious charge against a former suburban Minneapolis police officer who says she meant to use a taser instead of a handgun when she fatally shot black motorist Dante Wright. Former Brooklyn City Police Officer Kim Porter will stand trial in Hennepin County on first and second degree manslaughter charges and the death of Wright, who was shot after being stopped April 11th for a traffic violation. Porter, who was white, was initially charged with second degree manslaughter, which requires a finding that she acted with culpable negligence in Wright's death. Prosecutors later added a first degree manslaughter count against Porter, alleging she recklessly handed well, handled a firearm and endangered right safety when death or great bodily harm was reasonably foreseeable. In allowing the first-degree manslaughter charge, Hennepin County Judge Regina Cho said Wednesday that she only had to view the evidence in the light most favorable to the prosecution and make a finding of probable cause, meaning it was more probable than not that a crime was committed. She noted that the state will have a much higher burden of providing, well, approving the crime beyond a reasonable doubt during a trial, the Star Tribune reported. For a conviction on the first degree charge, a jury would have to find that Porter was aware of the risk of killing Wright and made a conscious decision to act without regard to risk, Cho wrote. 
Porter was training officer Anthony Lucky when he stopped right for an air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror and expired tabs. It goes on to read, on evidentiary matters, Chow ruled that rights, criminal records, and allegations, including that he shot someone in the head, was a member of a street gang, assaulted and robbed a man in March, was subject to restraining orders, may only be admissible if Porter was aware of Wright's prior conduct. I guarantee you she doesn't, so that stuff will not be straight up admissible. I mean, it won't it won't play a factor in the court. It won't play a factor inside the case. And if they try to bring that up, trust me, they're gonna shut that down real quick because she knew none of this. They didn't know anything about this man's prior history. If they did, by God, they're a fortune teller, but somebody's gonna be lying off this. So as you can tell, they did add on another charge. She was first had second degree uh manslaughter, but now they add first degree manslaughter. I don't know what to say about this, but it doesn't look good for her because as you have told as you have read from me, well, as you've heard from me, they're doing this because um she endangered right safety when death or greatly bodily harm was reasonable foreseeable. So what that means is that she could have easily have gotten her taser, but she grabbed her gun and she was reckless with this and caused the man basically to be harmed badly or dead. And as you have heard from me, I mentioned this one past episodes too. There was cops talking about this saying that, yo, there's no way you can mistake a taser gun from a real gun. The differences in weight, the differences in appearance and the way it looks. I mean, there should be, there's ample amount of evidence out here on YouTube, on the internet of cops literally coming out to say, hey, yo, there's no way she did not know what that she had was a gun and a taser. So let me make that perfectly clear. So expect the prosecution to have that in their, well, in their law, in their briefcase, in their uh, legal def uh, defense, in their legal evidence, in their legal proceedings. They're going to have that somewhere down the line and say that, yo, there's no way. Because all these officers, from this officer to that officer to that officer, they all have said that there's no way you can mistake this. So Kim Porter's going to have a real, 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 real hard time in court to try to beat that uh, first first degree uh, man uh, slaughter count. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, again, this is still America that we're talking about here. And America still has a whole lot of faults within the system. And we all know it. So this is going to be real interesting. I'm going to be on my, uh, I'm going to be looking at it. And apparently her trial is to be had in November of 2021 this year. So I will be definitely paying attention to that one. Because again, this is still something that people need to understand that when you're an officer, yo, you have the responsibility to protect and serve, not just the people that you want to protect and serve, but to everyone. And when you make costly mistakes like this one, that could easily have been avoided, you got to pay for that. So I want to see what happens with the whole Kim Porter trial for the Dante Wright murder. I want to see how that works. On to my next topic, and this is coming from NBC News, as its title is Rittenhouse Judge in Spotlight After Disallowing Word Victims in Courtroom. As it reads, when the trial opens of Kyle Rittenhouse, the Illinois teenager accused of gunning down two men and wounding a third during nightly unrest last summer in Kenosha, Wisconsin, one word won't be allowed to describe those who were shot, victims. Kenosha County Circuit Judge Bruce 
Schroeder, however, ordered that other words could be used. Rioters, looters, or arsonists if Rittenhouse defense attorneys can provide the evidence that they had engaged in those acts. As he set the ground rules for the trial, Bruce said this week that the label victim is a loaded word and that even the use of alleged victim is too close, telling prosecutors that complaining witness or descendant are acceptable alternatives. This is a long-held opinion of mine, which, which very few judges, I guess, share with me, Bruce said. While legal experts and lawyers familiar with state law said Bruce is well within his authority to set boundaries on language, his rule sets the stage for further scrutiny in a highly charged trial that has captured the nation's attention since Rittenhouse, who is now 18, was arrested in August 2020. He faces multiple charges, including homicide in the fatal shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Herbert and the wounding of Gage Grosskreutz. That's pretty standard in his courtroom to not allow victim, said Ted Kamick, a local criminal defense lawyer who has had cases before Brian. He believes you're presumed innocent, and with that presumption of innocence, nobody is a victim unless it's proven. Keith Finley, a law professor at the University of Wisconsin and a former public defender, said that while the order is more of a defense-friendly position, it's not entirely unjustified because because it would allow the prosecution to continually use language that suggests a conclusion as if it's a fact, given a fact, to the jurors. On the other hand, he said, words like looters and rioters carry negative connotations, and it feels a little bit jarring for the court to be banned the use of one descriptor and not another. See, that's what I'm saying. This is what I mean. How can you allow that to happen? You, you won't... Mm. You can't do that. You can't allow that to happen. And I understand. See, this is what I'm saying. We as blacks, and I know people are going to say, Joe, you constantly turn this into a black and white men matter every time. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not allowing the victims that got killed, literally, in this situation to be called victims. You're going to let them technically be called rioters, looters, or arsonists if the defense find it within their probable causes, find some type of evidence to say these people were rioters, they're looters. They could easily say that because remember the summer of last year, people were out here destroying buildings. They were rioters and looters. And these three defendants were out there acting upon as rioters and looters. That's exactly how they could easily flip it into legal standards and legal words. That's exactly how they could flip it. How are you not going to allow the prosecution to say, no, these were victims that got killed by somebody that wasn't out here to that word that wasn't Law enforcement. He didn't have a badge. Kyle Ritten didn't have a badge. He didn't have any of the necessities as a officer would be deemed to have. A badge, a uniform, a gun holster, all these type of things. Kyle Rittenhouse didn't have none of these things. This was a white boy that went out here and played cop. He played shooter. That was his deal. He played, played. And he ended up shooting three people. Two are dead. One is wounded. So... Spare me with all that whole crap of innocent until proven guilty deal. We have to deal with that as black men. We have to deal with that as minorities. We don't get the whole innocent until proven guilty deal. We don't get that. We get straight up, yo, you're guilty until proven innocent. That's what it is. And this white boy is guilty until proven innocent. He is straight up guilty in my book. You went out here. You went out here to start shooting people. 
I went out here to try to help out the officers. No, bro. No, nah, that's not the way you're supposed to do it. The way you do that, AO, you go out there, you ask the cop, AO, how can I help? How can I do this? No, you went out here and played vigilante. You're not Batman, my nigga. You ain't none of that. You went out here and did something that was not of your own situation. You went out here and you literally shot and killed two people and injured a third one. That's not cool, bro. They might have done some horrible things in their past, but my guy, at that moment, were they doing something literally of worthy of being shot and killed about? No, they were not. So you got to separate the two. You got to separate them because people are going to say, Gerald, those people that he killed, they were such and such and they were da-da-da-da. Listen here. They might have been those things, but were they doing those type of actions that they were labeled for at that exact moment? Because of so, then we can do something about that. Then we can say, hey, yo, give the boy a medal of honor. Give the boy something for that. But if he wasn't doing those things, you can't do that, bro. You can't. And let me state this right now. These people were victims. They're not looters. They're not rioters. They're not arsonists. No, 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 no. These people that were shot at were victims. And for the judge to say, no, nah, we can't use that. You can't use that word. That's crazy to me. That is unbelievably crazy to me. I want to know how this is going to work. Again, this is another one that's that's interested. That's interesting to me. Because I've never seen a straight up kid, 17, teenager that's about to, should be in college, or about to go to college, or whatever the case may be, or even taking a year off to try to figure out who he is. There's no way you should be out here trying to deal with certain, like, this big old topic and start shooting off on people. That's not good, bro. Enlist in the military if you want to start shooting people. Do that. Don't do that in America. Don't do that around the block. Don't do that, bro. That's not good because you're shooting people around here. You're not, you don't know what you're doing, doing. At least I can give the soldiers a pass for killing people over there in another country because they are literally doing what they believe was right. They actually signed up for the military to do America's bidding. They did what they were ordered to do. You as a regular plain civilian without the badge, without the shield, the blue shield that protects every blue officer. You, Kyle, didn't have none of that. That was not of your jurisdiction. That was not of your own situation. You play vigilante, my G. I can't wait to see how this court case is going to be handled. More importantly, I want to see how this whole thing is going to happen. Is he going to be found guilty, not guilty of the charges that he's being given? It's just going to be interesting. Because if anything, if he gets slapped on the wrist, I'm going to look at it as, wow, this is really stupid. This is really dumb. And this is another example of white privilege. If he gets hit with a slap on the wrist, found not guilty, this is slap on the wrist, just white privilege at its finest. If he gets hit with a hard uh, judgment, I'm going to say, well, justice has been found. And people will say, wow, Joe, that's crazy for you to say that. No, think about it. You out here protesting something that's not right as a person that's with this whole a group of people that's protesting, a.k.a. the Black Lives Matter movement that happened last year, and then somebody just happens to come around and shoot you because you guys had a mandate or a curfew, whatever type of crap they're going to say that you guys had, but you guys are out here doing what's right, and you're protesting something that was straight up just wrong, and somebody happens to shoot you? Dog, come on, man. That Where does that make sense at? Where? Where? Right now, people are trying to 
right now make a case for the whole straight up the whole rioting act of early this year on January 6th, where people straight up storm the building, the the most important building in Washington besides the White House. They try to storm the Capitol. And people are still trying to make excuses for them, saying they were doing their civic duty. They were trying to... No, no, no. They were idiots. They were protesting uh, straight up just an election. No. This is almost in the same vein. This white boy was out here doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing. So, I just want to know where we're going to be headed with this. Guilty, not guilty. And I'm going to be really watching the timeline on social media in the news to see how this is being reported and how people are going to perceive it. Because again, perception is reality. And we live in America where perception is truly king in this country. So I just want to see how we're going to deal with this. But that's for it for that topic. I want to talk to you about something. Earlier this week, Derek Chauvin's jurors came out, well, seven of the 12 came out, and they talked to Don Lemon on CNN. And they talked about one thing that really changed their minds to really uh give them like this stamp of appeal stamp of approval for guilty. Um, and it's coming from Yahoo Entertainment. On Thursday, Don Lemon interviewed some of the jurors from the Derek Show and trial who were speaking for the first time. The former Minneapolis police officer who murdered George Floyd was found guilty on all three charges back in April. But the jurors admitted that they were originally split on the third degree murder charge. That is until they finally had a breakthrough. And I'm about to play you what that breakthrough was right now. I brought up to the fact that this is not what he did, but more or less what he didn't do. He did not provide life-saving measures for George Floyd when he knew that the guy was in pain or needed medical attention. Mm -hmm. Even the um, firefighter that was off said, check his pulse, check his pulse. Well, then they checked his pulse and they said, well, do you want to do anything? No, we're leaving him here. He had ample to roll him over and start CPR, and he didn't. He mm -hmm. didn't move one bit. And even when the EMS came up and checked him, he never even got up. And he knew he had been lifeless for 30 seconds to a minute. Mm -hmm. He still never stepped up and let the EMS come in and do their job. Mm -hmm. He had to have the EMS tap him to get up. That, to me, said more than what he actually did, that he just didn't do anything to help him at that time. Now, as you heard from the juror, that's exactly what kind of tell the tide to all make them all say, oh, yeah, he's guilty, because he did not try to provide George Floyd any type of um, medical help. He didn't try to check on him to see if he was breathing. He wasn't doing nothing. As a matter of fact, he just stood on the man's neck, and even EMTs had to tell him, hey, yo, get off of him so I could check him. See, that's what I'm saying. Officers, yo, you guys need to take better responsibility. Again, you guys need to be held responsible. And Derek Chauvin got held responsible, and it is what it is. He got found guilty for that. And I'm hoping that, because now there's been words that they're trying to um get that uh verdict overruled because, well, there's another verdict in uh, Minneapolis that got overturned. And now they're trying to see if that has some type of legal weight and will that uh, overturn of a former officer overturn this one. I'm not sure of anything. There's just been talks and speculations about it. I'm not going to report on that yet or even talk to you and tell you guys about it yet. I'm just giving you guys that brass of 
in the weeks to come, there's going to be more talks about it. And I'm just heard whispers about it. I'm don't I didn't really really read into it until it really gets out there and I'm like, okay, it's actually official. It's a real deal situation. I just want you guys all to know that AO something is out here and they are trying to turn overturn this uh conviction of Derek Chauvin and they're gonna try to look back at that uh case that just got overturned. I wanna keep you guys informed on that. Because I'm being informed constantly. I'm constantly looking into things and I'm constantly looking at things because I'm an observer, as I've told you guys constantly. And I don't want you guys to get blindsided because that would be suckish if you guys would get blindsided by that type of news and you didn't hear from me. So again, just be on the lookout for that. If Derek Chauvin's case gets overturned, I don't know how America's, I don't know how Blacks America is going to feel about that. I know we're going to be pissed off. I don't know if we're going to have more riots because let me explain something to you. Everybody's outside now. It wasn't like last year where everybody was inside and we all had to sit down and literally have these uncomfortable conversations with people on Zoom. If you're in uh, high school or college, you had these uncomfortable conversations with classmates and even some of your teachers and professors about what happened during the summer. I mean, there are certain things that People will never ever get to understand if you're not a black person or a minority in America. You just won't understand until you're actually in our shoe. If we can say to AO, we can understand a white person's problems, we can understand it to a degree because one, we're not white. And two, we don't technically know every other person's problem because we're not them. That's it. And only thing we can do is basically say, AO, we're here for you and we're here to talk for you. And if you need to help with anything, just reach out to us. With this thing, this is going to be a big old AO. I'm here to talk. Don't do anything stupid type of deal if Derek Chauvin's uh, conviction gets overturned. And I'm hoping that it doesn't. Derek Chauvin just got to just take this one and sit out. Sit out on this. You lost, dog. You did something wrong. Eat it and just go about your day. But we shall see more in the future. And also, I want to give props to these seven uh, jurors that were out here talking to Don Lemon because you're putting your faces out here for everybody to see who you are. And you guys are talking about what made you guys all say, yeah, he's guilty. You're putting your lives out there in danger, at least in my eyes, because in my head, whenever you are on the jury board for a big old uh, trial of this big of a magnitude, I would think you want to keep your anonymity. I think you will try to keep yourself private and recluse and don't let people know who you are. These people, they waited from April all the way to now. So April was in four, like the fourth month and we're now about to be in the, about to be in the 11th month. So that's about a good seven months that you waited to keep yourself private. Hey, keep yourself private. I would have, there'd have been no way you would have caught me sitting down there with Don Lemon talking about this. But more power to them. I hope nothing happens to them. And I will hope uh, they remain safe and no harm or danger come upon them or their family members. Because people are nuts out here. And people will look up just to see who you are and where you live and who are you related to. And if they can't get to you, they're best believe they're going to get to your family members. That's always how all this stuff happens. So again, I hope nothing happens to any of these jurors. I hope nothing happens to any of their family members or their loved ones. Just know that, Ayo, you guys came out here, you said what you said, and just, uh, I'm hoping that everything is all right and goes fine for them moving on. And I hope no cops 
that were friends with Derek Chauvin harasses any of these jurors because, by God, that's going to be one of those situations that's going to be played around because if they get stopped by a police officer, that's believe that police department is going to say, hey, yo, they did this outstanding ticket or some kind of garbage. It usually happens. There's never, ever been a police station that comes out and say, nope, we don't side with our officer for that. So, again, I pray for these uh, jurors. That's all I can say for that. After this, I want to get you to another topic here. And this one was from Insider. And this is something that I find really, really, uh, I can't relate to it. But people that I am in college with, I'm pretty sure they can relate to this. And it reads, a 33-year-old California man says he was able to pay off his student loans by surviving off of two meals a day at Six Flags for years. A California man paid off student loans after eating at Six Flags Ma uh, Magic Mountain for seven years. Um, the man identified as Dylan started to take advantage of Six Flags Magic Mountain annual pass in 2014 when he was working as an intern in an office minutes away from the amusement park. He says you could pay around $150 for unlimited year-round access to Six Flags, which includes parkings and two meals a day, Dylan said in an interview with Mail Magazine. If you time it right, you could eat both lunch and dinner there every day. During the first year, Dylan admitted that he doesn't think he ever went to the grocery store and acknowledged that the theme park menu was made up of burgers, fries, and pizzas. Wasn't healthy at all, which was rough, the outlet reported. Since then, in addition to paying off his student loans, Dylan was able to buy a house and get married, according to reports. The exact amount of his student loan debt wasn't reported. He estimated that he has eaten over 2,000 meals at the amusement park over the years, paying about 50 cents for each meal, Mail Magazine reported. After getting married, Dylan said he stopped eating at Six Flags for dinner and on the weekends. However, he still goes to enjoy at least three lunches during the week. We bought, we just bought a house here, so I'm not really going anywhere, Dylan told Mel Magazine. As long as they keep changing the menu, I'm happy. See, I don't, mm, this is telling you guys right here, this is letting every parent know, hey, yo, if your kid is not financially right, hey, yo, set them up, what a, set them up. If they got a Six Flags around, get them, get them that. And I hate to say it like that, but you got to get them that because you know what? Tuition is high for certain places. Tuition is extremely high. And debt, I will never take a loan out for nothing in my life. I can't do it because I hate paying people back. I hate it because it seems like, because to me, it's like a loan shark. You are underneath their foot and they can try to squeeze on your neck anytime they can. And if they can't get to you, they'll try to get to somebody that you love, which basically will aggravate them, which in Intel aggravate you. I can't have that. Not for me, not for anything in my life. So here's what I want every parent to do if you're listening to this. If you hear this right now, try to uh, fill out any type of grant, scholarship, anything you can for your kid. Do it with your child. Do it with college administrators. Do it with anybody that knows how to work paperwork. Do it with them. See what your kid can get. See what type of scholarship or state uh, financial aid that your kid can get. For the love of God, because I have been talking and hearing college students that I'm in college with right now talking about, hey, yo, they don't have enough money to do this. You know, they are only eating such and such things. Yo, dog, dude, that's rough. And I'm going to say right now, that's rough. 
everybody since I was small to now, whenever I hear parents talking about college, they always encourage their kids to go to college and this and this and that and that. And you got to look on the opposite side. When you get out of college, one, is your grant or your scholarship going to be worth anything when you get out? Are you in the right area for your scholarship to mean anything? Do you have the funds to pay back those debts that you actually accumulated from the loans that you took out in college? Do you need to take out any loans in college? I mean, how long is it going to take you back to pay off those loans? Dude, there are professors right now in any and every college that have debts that they still are paying back to this day. This is ridiculous. College should be one of those situations where, all right, certain people are going to go there to get a high-paying job or office job or whatever there is. And while you're there, there should be no such thing as, yo, we're going to give you a loan for this and that and da 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 Let me give you guys something that I just found out this week, all right? I'm supposedly supposed to be getting out this December. God willing, this is my last semester here. I was thinking about going to graduate school. I went to my um, finance people and I tried to figure out, can I get any type of scholarship from going to be a grad student? There's only one scholarship and they told me that it was hard to basically achieve that scholarship. And they talked about they will give us out loans. And I asked after they went through all this, I said, hold up, wait a minute. I just asked. So I heard you talking about loans. Is this something I got to pay back after it's done and all this type of stuff? They said, yes, you have to pay back these loans. These are basically loans like in real life situations. You still got to pay back those type of loans if you take them out. I said, okay. And that already, that automatically checked out for me. Like, okay, graduate school is not the thing for me because I am not going to be accumulating debt. I can't and I won't. I've heard too many stories. Nah, 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 nah. As I stated before, I hate paying people back. It feels like a person's boot is on my neck. Nah. So, adults, teenagers, people that are thinking of going into college, please, 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 please have a plan. Have a money plan. Know what you're going to do. Know that how much your tuition is. Know if you have some type of scholarships or grants that you could actually go out and fill out for. Just fill out the paperwork. Shoot. Shoot your shot for the love of God to see if you can get any type of grants. Just do it. Literally, be the Nike logo. Just do it. And see what you can get. And pray for the best. That's all I can basically give you as a guy that's about to leave out of college now. Pray for the best, and please, for the love of God, know what you're going to be going into uh, your major for. If you don't know, that's fine. You have some time to figure that out. But if you do know, look around your area and see if that major is great for you. Look around. See if that major that you're going for is needed in that area that you're in. And if not, see if you have family members in other areas that AO. Will you take me in if I graduate this? Because my uh, degree is highly in demand in your area. And see if they can just take you in. Because again, family members, or that's what they're called, family. Family is a strong word. My family is strong. So if I were ever to need a problem, I know I can go to a certain family member and they'll take me in. I know that for a fact. So I just wanted to give you guys those... Uh, those life uh, strategies, those life suggestions. 
And I also just wanted to give you that topic because I found that extremely fascinating. But on to another topic right here. And this one is coming from ABC News. As it reads, firefighters threaten state senators' staff over vaccine mandates while on duty. It reads, four New York City firefighters have been suspended after driving their truck to a state senator's office while on duty, asking for the politician's home address and telling him the city will have blood on its hands over the city's vaccine vaccine mandate. The group of latter of 113 in Brooklyn went to the office of state senator. I can't say the man's name, so I'm not going to do, going to do it. In the company's fire district in uniform and asked to speak with him, although as a state official has no involvement in the city mandate from Mayor Bill Blasio. All city personnel, including firefighters, must have received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine by the time they show up to work on Monday. Those who do not get vaccinated will be placed on unpaid leave. The senator was not there at the time, but the firefighter spoke to a staff member. They said they wanted to let people in the community know that the trucks weren't going to be running and that they were going to shut down firehouses, a person familiar with the conversation told ABC News. It was the person, it was, the person said a cordial conversation, though at one point the firefighter said that the city would have blood on his hands. I think it's highly inappropriate. Uh, Myrie, a Democrat, said in an interview with in New York ABC station WABC, it is incredibly disgusting and disturbing that those entrusted with keeping us safe would be on duty protesting a vaccine mandate that had nothing to do with a state elected official. My staff is rattled. They're shaken up by it. And frankly, I'm upset that we're even having this conversation. Listen to me. Listen to me. Well, firefighters are only there to do certain things. I don't know what a firefighter's job is in the name to basically put out a fire. I mean, we know the old cliche, getting cast out of trees. And they probably do some other things that doesn't get like mentioned in the news. Why on God's green, if... They don't want to get a vaccine. They got to get one. I'm not understanding. They just can't go to the gyms. They can't eat inside restaurants. Hey, bro, that's just what it is. Those companies, they made the decisions of da-da-da-da-da. Now, in the state of New York, as we all know, and if you don't know, I'm going to preach it to you again. In the state of New York, you can't do nothing without having a vaccine. You got to basically be vaccinated to be in New York to basically do anything. Go to a gym eat out, go to a restaurant, go to a concert, go to a Broadway show, all these things, you got to be vaccinated. And for these firefighters, they're just basically letting the people know, because as you heard, they had a cordial conversation. And they just basically said the city will have blood on his hands. They're not going to be uh, running their firehouses and that the trucks aren't going to be running. They're basically, yo, they're basically standing on their, uh, they're standing on the ground. They're standing on the soil with 10 toes down. They don't want to take the vaccine. I can't blame them for it, but you are in New York, dog. you got to make that choice, and they're making the choice not to take the vaccine. So, again, I'm not blaming them. Just uh, switch them out with people that are going to do the job. If not, hey, yo, I think this is a bigger conversation that people want to talk about. People are afraid to put this vaccine in their body. They are afraid because, again, this vaccine just came out earlier this year and COVID happened last year. It's to them, I guarantee you, they're all feeling the exact same way. It's too new. And especially with the FDA just now giving clearance to give children 5 through 11 
the COVID shots. Ayo, dog, that's crazy. I'm going to say it right now. This is Gerald Garrett talking to you. That's crazy that you guys are straight up now giving the A-OK to give it to children 5 through 11. If it was A-OK, you guys would have did that at the beginning stages. But no, here's what you guys forgot. And I don't believe that people remember this. So uh, let me re-educate you. When this vaccine came out, do you remember the first people that were able to get it? The first people who were able to get it were the people that were old and sickly, that were able to catch any and everything. The second people that were able to get it were the adults that were working. And then it started coming out to the public. And now it's going to the children. Do you know why it started off with the elderly and the people that were sickly or capable of being sick? Because they use them as guinea pigs, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody's going to say it to you. Nobody's going to shoot it to you straight. I'm going to shoot it to you straight. And people might say, Joe, that's a conspiracy theory. No, it's not. If you use your head and you think common, and if you use your common sense that you have, you know it's true. Why are they going to give it to somebody that is sickly and elderly instead of somebody that is strong and that is going to need it for everyday work? Because people needed to work. Old people, they're home. They're inside their homes. They are retired. What was the need for them to be the first people to get the vaccine? Answer that one. Hmm? There is no answer to it. It was them being guinea pigs. So I just want to keep that one straight 100. Giving it now to children is ridiculous. Children have to build up their immune system. They have to build it up. Certain people's Immune system is garbage. I know mine was as a child. Again, I got to reiterate this. I was a sickly kid. I kept on getting sore throats. I kept on being the sickly child in my family. Dog, it was hell for me as a child. It is what it is. I'm growing up now and I don't get sick as much. So I don't know if that was just my immune system having to build up some callus or whatever it was. But dog, I don't get sick like that, like that as I did as a child. That just me keeping it a buck with you. That ain't me trying to lie to you. It's just me being real. So children's bodies have to build up these things. You can't try to shoot them up with something that isn't meant for them because this disease just came out of left field literally at the end of 2019 but came around stateside over in early 2020. And now we're trying to shoot up children, legit children whose bodies are still developing. They haven't hit freaking puberty yet with this drug i ain't with it me personally i ain't with it you can do that with your kid that's fine to each zone but for me and my family nah i'm gonna put my foot in and say nah i don't agree with it if they want my uh opinion into it if they don't hey i'm not gonna say nothing but if they ever ask me i'm just gonna tell them nah i don't agree with it children you gotta build their uh immune systems up they gotta build it up first before we at least try to inject them with something that's just me. And people might say, Joe, what about all these other vaccines? You don't have a problem with the flu shot and all these other type of things. Yo, dog, those have been tested and tried out for years. And that has already been done. So I at least can say, yo, we have some type of study for that. We have some type of uh, scientific thing that we can actually go back and literally say, hey, yo, look back at this. This has been years worthy of testing and all this type of results. This Vaccine literally just came out earlier this year, and we're trying to now shoot it into children. I ain't with it. There's been no legit studies for it yet for me to just give it my seal of approval. I ain't with it. 
So, again, New York City, I think we all need to have a conversation here. Do, is it really appropriate for somebody that doesn't want to get the vaccine to actually get it? If they don't want to get it, ayo, they don't want to get it. They just can't go to the gym. They can't do all these concerts and all this type of stuff. But to take away their livelihood as a firefighter and a police officer in these magnitudes, yo, dog, we're kind of going to the extreme here. Because already what people are going to say, people don't want to work. You're kicking out the people that actually want to work and they just don't want to get the vaccine. That's what you're doing. You understand that, right? They're now starting to become rules that you got to get the vaccine just to get a job or just to maintain your job. It's not that people don't want to work. No, people don't want to get this effing vaccine in them. Because, again, people are afraid. Not everybody's anti-vaxxer. Don't get it in. Don't. No, some people just don't trust it yet. And you got to work with the people that don't trust it yet. You got to work with people like me. I don't trust it yet. So, with that being said, these New York firefighters, Ayo, dog, I feel for you. I stand with you. You guys don't want to take this vaccine. Ayo, bro, I know it. And I feel for you. New York City and every other state that has happened to listen to me right now, anybody that's any in any type of leadership role, just think about it. What is the big deal if they don't want to take the vaccine and they're still able to do their job? As long as they're not heavy breathing on somebody and like coughing up a storm in somebody's face, hey, yo, dog, we good here. Let them not take the vaccine if they don't want to take it. Let them take it if they do want to take it. You can't try to take somebody's livelihood away from them because they don't want to take the vaccine, dog. It's not right. It's not cool, especially since these people were, remember, on the front line of whenever this whole vaccine mess broke out. Well, not vaccine. This whole COVID mess broke out last year. You can't do that. It's not right to them. So with that being said, that was my opinion on that. And before I get you guys out of here, I have uh, two more things. This one's going to be quick. And this is about Floyd Mayweather's daughter. As it reads, Floyd Mayweather's daughter facing possibly 20 years prison sentence over alleged stabbing. As it reads, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr.'s 21-year-old daughter, Yaya Mayweather, is accused of stabbing a woman and will face a jury trial in February. According to the Neighborhood Talk, that source claimed that Mayweather has been charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and faces the possibility of 20 years sentence if found guilty. Mayweather is accused of assaulting uh, a Miss LaPatra, LaPatra Jacobs in April of 2020. Both Mayweathers and Miss Jacobs have children fathered by a rapper called Young Boy Never Broke Again, a.k.a. NBA Young Boy. It is alleged that the stabbing occurred when Mayweather, Jacobs, and the rapper was involved in a heated argument. In May 2020, Ms. Jacobs uploaded videos showing the wounds she claims was suffered during the stabbing. Uh, yeah. I don't... Let, let me just make a P, PSA for people right now. If you are dealing with either a woman that has child a child by another man, or you're dealing with a man that has a child by another woman, I want you guys to go into that relationship or even thinking about going into that relationship with a question mark and a safety uh, precaution. Because, let me state this to you, that 
person's spouse or that person's baby mother or baby father are always going to be in that picture unless they are dead six feet in the ground. You understand me? You're always going to have to deal with the idea of the person that you're in relation with going over to their baby mother or baby father's house to have conversation to talk about the child or to talk about them just regularly because their emotions and their type of feelings can affect their child that they have together. So they have to make sure that their person, their baby mother, baby father is okay emotionally. And that might not sit with you well. I don't know the situation with the Mayweather daughter and NBA young boy and his other baby mama. I don't know their situation. But just reading that and what made Yaya basically stab, allegedly stab this woman. And she could be facing 20 years just for stabbing NBA young boy's other baby mother. Dog, I can't, I can't, and I can't. Dude, no, no, no. I can't date somebody that has a child unless their baby father is not living on this earth. That's me personally. I can't do it because I know me emotionally. I know me. I'm going to think, hey, yo, there's going to always be that free pass that somebody can walk into uh, my house or our house that we share together because that person's child that I am with their baby mom and them, they share that child together. and He can always walk over and check on his kid. That gives him a free pass to do that. And me personally, I ain't going to like that, especially if the man's a complete dirtball and he's trash. And he might try to throw some little seeds into the me and her relationship to try to put some doubt into it. I ain't feeling it. I never feel things like that. So for me personally, I can't date a woman that has a child with a man that is not living. That man could be A-OK. People might say, Gerald, what happened if he's a great man? He's cool. He's down to earth. He ain't trying to kill y'all relationship. He's just want to talk, like, check with his kid. Ayo, that's cool and all, but nah, still, again, not ain't for me. I'm not there emotionally there. I'm not there. I'm a logic man. I'm a man that's built on logic. I'm a man that's always going to think about, okay, here's what logically makes sense, but again, as humans, we are emotional creatures. Our emotions take over us more than logic does, more than sensible uh, action does, more than sensible thinking does. So when that happens, you're going to think of the worst possibilities in every occasion. You're going to think, oh my God, maybe she's thinking about him when she's with me or whenever he rolls around and he comes to check on his kid and he hangs around with the kid and he's being an actual loving father to the child. You're going to think as she's watching him, what is she thinking? Is she thinking about leaving me to get back with him? People might say, Joe, those are insecurities within yourself. Yeah, those are insecurities. I can admit that 100%. But what I will not do is have somebody go and try to play me like my insecurities are not warranted. Because if you have a child with somebody, and I'm not trying to say you should get it aborted, but if you didn't get it aborted, there's a reason why. You have a connection to the child, which means you have a connection to that man, which means you and that man are bonded completely forever. It doesn't matter if the kid lives like all the way up or he dies as soon as you push him out. You and that man is bonded straight up forever because you will have that experience that nobody else will be able to experience but you two. 
See, me, I can't handle that. Me, I need mine to be mine. If she has a child, hey, yo, that guy got to be completely gone off this earth, wiped off. And now I'm not saying that he should, I'm going to kill the man. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that I can't be dating somebody that has a uh, baby father that's living, walking around this earth. Me, personally. More power to anybody that can. I'm just talking about for me, I can't do it because this Yaya situation is exactly the reason why. Somebody got end up being stabbed because, more than less, two baby mamas getting at it because of one guy in the middle. And that'll probably be the exact same thing with me. Me and that her baby father getting at it because of her and their child. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to get into a fight with that. I just know for me, that's terrible. And just to hear and read this, this is completely terrible. Prayers up to the Mayweather family. Prayers up to Miss Jacobs. I hope everything gets resolved. And I am sad and uh, disheartened to hear about this stabbing. It's real crazy. But, hey, that's uh, it for that topic. And for the final topic, before I get you guys out of here, this is coming from Reuters. And as it reads, just give us our money. And it's coming from the Taliban. Taliban push to unlock Afghan billions abroad. As a read, Afghan's Taliban government is pushing for the release of billions of dollars of central bank reserves as the drought-stricken nation faces a cash crush, massive starvation, and a new migration crisis. Afghanistan parked billions of dollars in assets overseas with the U.S. Federal Reserve and other central banks in Europe. That money has been frozen since the Islamic Taliban ousted the Western-backed government in August. A spokesperson for the finance ministry said the government will respect human rights, including the education of women, as he sought fresh funds on top of humanitarian aid that he said offered only small relief. The money belongs to the Afghan nation. Just give us our own money, ministry spokesperson told Reuters. Freezing this money is unethical. It is against all international laws and values. On top, central bank official called on European countries, including Germany, to release their share of the reserves to avoid an economic collapse that could trigger mass migration towards Europe. This situation, this situation is desperate and the amount of cash is dwindling. There is enough right now to Afghanistan going until the end of the year. See, this is what I'm saying right here. I'm not sure how to feel about this because you know what? Hey, if this is their money, it's their money. You got to give it to them. It's, again, another one of these situations. If it's their money, you got to give it to them. If people are holding out money for to the, to the Afghan people since the Taliban have it, yo, you got to give them back that money. You are afraid right now. What this is basically telling me is that every country is afraid of Afghanistan because the Taliban has now taken it back. Because we all have it in our heads that the Taliban, which rightfully so for 9-11, let's not get it twisted, like we don't have this reason. Since 9-11 happened, we all had the fear of the Taliban coming to destroy or attack any type of country or just for something to happen because the Taliban has their reputation because of 9-11. We are now holding out, holding their money from them. This is basically just going to get them more pissed off and pissed off. Yo, dog, give them back their money. It's their money. We got to go and extend out the good faith policy first. We give them back their money on good faith that nothing will happen to us. If something happens to happen to us, well, guess what? You know what time it is. It's about to go back to being war. 
and you and it's basically every nation going against Afghanistan for this. Let's just call a spade a spade. I'm not trying to dwindle it on. We got to give Afghanistan back their money, and we got to work on the good faith of procedure for this. And uh, again, give Afghanistan back their money. America, Europe, Germany, give them back to them. We're with good faith. If they do something, you know the deal. All alliance up, put all of our differences aside, take out the Taliban, and do what we got to do. Let's just call a spade a spade. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I just want to leave you guys with a question that I had uh, this week. I wanted to ask you guys a question. When is it the right time for somebody to technically pass away that you won't cry a lot of tears? And I say that because, as I mentioned in the first topic, uh, well, technically giving uh, condolences to Miss uh, Moore, that she passed away at 53. And Colin Powell last week passed away at 84. Both of them, different cancers, but cancer, but they both were of different age. 31, technically, to be specific age differences between the two. I expect people to cry more for Miss Moore passing away because she still had a lot of life left. She was 53. That is considered still young in the age bracket to pass away. While Colin Powell, he was 84, and he passed away, and people would say that he had a nice life, and he lived long enough, and I don't mean to say like, oh my god, Joe, that's terrible to say, no, just hear me out, 84 to 53, think about it, let's be honest, alright, so when do we not cry a lot of tears, because we're going to shed a couple tears, but we're going to cry a lot of tears more for whenever somebody gets taken away soon, I say, for me personally, it's at the age bracket of 75 and up. More technically 79 and up, because you're technically about 80, and 80 is literally eight decades. So I'm not going to say that, yo, you're not going to cry a lot, but I shouldn't expect to see somebody cry, cry like boo-hooing, crying a lot if you pass away at 80 and onward for it. Dog, they lived a long life. They saw a lot of things, more things than people didn't get to see that died way younger than they did. So that is one thing I just want to leave with you guys with and just leave you guys to ponder. What is the right age, technically, age range that somebody could technically walk away off this earth without you boohooing so bad? Because we know you're going to boohoo, but like for days whimpering the whole crying down your face. I say 80 on up, yo, you can easily, we're going to shed a couple of tears, but you can walk away now. But, like, 60 and down, I still believe people are going to boo for a couple of days because that's, like, beginning of grandparent-type age 60, and you still get to at least get to witness your grandkids being raised up to a certain point. Start at the age of 60, people start seeing their grandkids, and they start seeing them as a baby towards their 70s. That's whenever they're, like, 10 years old or even teenage years. That type of deal. That's the original American idea, or at least in the ideology, at least of the West. That's at least in my idea. But again, with that, what is the right age frame that you won't uh, cry uh, for a lot of days if somebody happens to pass away? That's just a question I just wanted to just throw out to you guys. And with that, let me get you guys out of here. My social media links where you can reach me at on Twitter. You can find me at at my two podcasts. On Instagram, my username is my 2 Podcast G 2 
and my email for you to email me about anything and i mean anything because the offer still stands whether you're depressed suicidal just want to get something off your chest that you don't want to say towards any of your family members and you don't want to make a burden to them again i am a stranger and um i am a, basically a wall you can just basically throw it out here and it's not going to get to anybody else believe me i like to keep things in confidence my email is my at well my email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com again my two cents pod at yahoo.com and for all the social media links it's not two or too it's the number two you can find me also on an app called wisdom and my username is gerald garrett and my logo is the my podcast logo so I've been talking about different things. This week I talked about checking in and I kind of talked a little bit about death on that. Where do we go when we leave off this planet? But you can all reach those type of recordings and other recordings from other individuals on wisdom. And for past episodes and future episodes of this podcast, including my yesterday's episode of Wrestling Highs of the Week, you can find them on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple, uh, Amazon Music and Audible. And with that, always remember. I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. And with that, this has been my Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. Let's have a great Sunday. I hope you guys had a great rest of your uh, Halloween night. And let's uh, get this week off in the greatest foot forward. Remember, we're trying to be a positive light to everybody's life that we come in contact with. We're not trying to spread any negativity. Let's get through this. We are all human beings. We can all get through this together as one. We just got to put the right foot forward. And with that, I want to bid you guys adieu. Bye-bye, farewell. This has been G2. He is I and I am him. This isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet voice again. And with that, Kanye, please take these people home. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.